It is great to see you, and aren't you glad no one among us ever makes a mistake? I seem to distinctly remember preaching on forgiveness and forgiving ourselves last week. But if you're looking at your Sunday update, you have another copy of last week's Sunday update. And sometimes great people make a mistake. I don't know how it happened. It's okay. We have two of the best secretaries, two of the finest ladies that you'll ever run into. Give Stephanie and give Trish a hug when you see them. All right? The West Side Congregation in Round Rock, Texas, sends its greetings to the West Side Church here. And I want you to know that the imprint of the West Side Congregation in Midland was all over the West Side Congregation in Round Rock, Texas while I was there because they were having, they were hosting a PTP Spark, which is sort of a mini. PTP, a group, an effort, a lectureship, a special get-together for Christians to really get into the Word, to pray, to sing. And between 800 and 1,000 people registered for that. And so the attendance was wonderful, and as I looked about, there were Troy and Sarah's two oldest girls coming in from Texas A&M. Round Rock to be part of that. As I looked around, there was Bryce Mayfield, who had made it a point to attend. As I looked around, there were several preachers that this congregation encouraged to preach. Justin Bell, David Eastland, David Vestal. There were others there that we supported in mission work, like John Baker and that we supported in preacher's training school, like Andy Baker. Everywhere I looked, I could see something of the imprint of this congregation. And that's something for us to rejoice in. Also saw Britt and Laura and the Bell clan there too, among others. So let's kind of think a little bit. This morning we're to look at 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13. Best love passages. These are passages that you as members of this congregation submitted for us to study because you've loved them so much through the years and they've meant so much to you. I hope you will turn to 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13 and we'll get there momentarily but I'd like for you to consider the ones we studied together last month. Last month, February. This is something we're devoting one Sunday a month to. Best love passages as suggested by you. Last month, what we did was look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Remember that one? Open your Bible there. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. As you do that, you'll see Jesus saying, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What do we really need to remember from this passage? It's called the great invitation and not without reason. The word I hope you'll remember is this, rest. 
we can rest in the Lord. He invites us to rest. We can go with our exhaustion, we can go with our worries, we can go with our our anxieties to Him, and we can find rest. It's an important passage. I'm glad someone chose that and submitted it as a passage for us to study. If you are struggling with worry and exhaustion and anxiety, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 is Christ's invitation to you to know His rest. Now next, turn to Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31. Our dear brother Adam Moore preached on this particular best love passage that you submitted I would encourage you to remember the word strength. Not only is there rest in the Lord, there's strength in the Lord. We talk a lot about willpower, but we need to talk more about God's power and His strength. And Isaiah 40 verses 29 through 31 bring this out so practically that when you are just spent, when there is nothing in your tank, your strength can be renewed in the Lord. Those are such wonderful passages of assurance. Now open your Bible, if you would, to the passage we're going to study this morning. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll look at verses 12 and 13. When you look at these two verses, it is interesting how verse 12 is a caution. A caution. And how verse 13 is a passage of comfort. Buy your Bibles if you mark in them. If you're taking notes, think like this. 1 Corinthians 10.12 is a caution against presumption. And 1 Corinthians 10.13 is a comfort about temptation. Sometimes in life you just feel like you're in a minefield. You're tiptoeing through the minefield. And dealing with all of life and its difficulties can be so hard sometimes. But here's the words I'd like for you to remember from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13. Remember before... What's the word to remember from Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30? I will give you rest. What's the word to remember from Isaiah 49, uh, 40, verses 29 through 31? Strength. Rest in the Lord, strength in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The word to remember is confidence. Confidence in the Lord. That's really big. Because sometimes we get so self-confident, we get overconfident. And when we do, we are a prime candidate for falling. Now notice the next verse, verse 13. 
Verse 13. The word I'd like for you to remember is this. Comfort in the Lord. Comfort in the Lord. Confidence in the Lord. Comfort in the Lord. Now let's go back and look at those two verses more uh, thoroughly. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. This passage can be logically broken down into four parts. It's dealing with a caution against presumption. Here's the first part. A necessary inference is being made. A necessary inference. Therefore, so then, however your translation begins, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, it will be something along those lines. And so we know when we see so then or therefore, it's a conclusion type statement. He, everything he's been saying is leading up to this moment. Therefore, so then. So look at verses 1 through 11 and you will find that it is an example of Israel from the Old Testament. And how they were greatly blessed by God. Notice especially the first four verses. And yet they gave themselves over to idolatry, to immorality, and to murmuring and complaining. They disobeyed God. In verse 11, the things that were written were written by way of example. Negative example. Negative example. The Israelites are not a positive example here. You might think Hebrews chapters 3 and 4. Hebrews chapters 3 and 4 because it deals with Israel from a spiritual perspective. And the whole idea is this. God's people must not get the big head. God's people must not become presumptuous. Because when we get the big head, when we get presumptuous, the words of Proverbs 16, 18 are true. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. So it is a caution against presumption and it begins with this necessary inference. Secondly, this passage also deals with a sinful attitude. Thinks he stands. Do you see that in 1 Corinthians 10, 12? Thinks he stands. And that is the problem. The more we are thinking about self, the less we are thinking about God. The more self-sufficient one is, the less God-reliant one is. Our sufficiency is of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. One ought not to think too highly of himself, Romans 12 and verse 3. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble, James 4 verses 7 and 8. 
Who thinks he stands? After all, Israel could say, God brought us out of bondage. You see what he did to those uh, Egyptians, those ten plagues. You see how he spared us and he swallowed up the Egyptian army at the sea? You see how he's been providing for us? What happened to Egypt could never happen to us because we're God's people. I wonder, I wonder, Waylon, if sometimes we don't see people in the church when they go down, when they fall, and we think, I would never let that happen to me. I'd never do that. And this passage is written to keep us from thinking in too self-reliant a way. Thinks he stands. This person thinks. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23 and verse 7. The way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walks to direct his own steps, Jeremiah 10, 23. But there is a subtle temptation toward becoming presumptuous and proud as Christians. Does idolatry exist in the church today? Just asking. You've been a Christian any time? Have you heard of immorality in the church? How about murmuring and complaining? Everything that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to get across in this passage should humble us and cause us to realize that only as we look to and follow the lead of our Savior and Lord are we safe. Only to the degree that we rely on Him do we really stand. In Galatians 5 and verse 4, you are fallen from grace. Not standing. You who would be justified by the law. Well, I come to services. I teach a Bible class. I'm an elder. I'm a deacon. I'm a preacher in the Lord's church. All of this and more can cause us to become self-reliant when this passage is warning us and cautioning us to always be Savior-reliant. Parents, you never see somebody else's kids and think, my kids will never do that. You see how this passage is so practical and speaks to everybody, doesn't it? Keep looking at it with me. We've noted the necessary inference and we've noted this sinful attitude. But note thirdly, the danger. The danger is falling. Falling. Let me ask you this. Does what I think about, does what I think about 
really show my reliance on the Lord. As a man thinks, he thinks he stands. If I'm busy thinking I'm standing, the only way that makes any sense is because of my reliance on God. And if we're not careful, we could even be proud of our reliance on God, can't we? The danger is falling. Open your Bibles to Jude verse 24 and can see this in verse 24 and 25. Our God is the God who can keep us from stumbling. Our God, Jude 24 and 25, is the God who can keep us from stumbling. Our God, Ephesians 6, 10 through 14, is the God who can make us to stand with the whole armor of God. There's a necessary inference. There's a sinful attitude. There is a danger to avoid falling. I refer again to Hebrews 3, verse 12. Take heed lest there should be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away, departing from the living God. The danger of falling. There's a caution, finally, in this verse. Verse 12. Take heed. Be careful. Church, are you listening? The Bible says the devil as a roaring lion goes about seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. And the only way that we can resist him is in the faith in the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 9. A caution against presumption. A, con- a-, a caution against overconfidence. A-, a-, a caution against too much self-reliance. Listen. Hebrews 2, 1. Take heed. We should give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we gradually let them slip. See that one? Only as we listen to the Lord and lean on the Lord are we really secure. We have an anchor, that's right. But sometimes we think our anchor is in how, how much we do. Sometimes our anchor is how long our our family has been members of a congregation. Sometimes our anchor is in all of the wrong things, but our anchor has got to be in Jesus Christ and His will. Now we're ready for verse 13. See what, what the Lord does, and Steve, it's amazing because this passage knocks us down a notch or two. When we get too full of ourselves, when we get our comeuppance, when we get the big head, when we start to become proud and puffed up and think of ourselves as being better than other people who are Christians. Now what verse 13 does is speak so positively and encouragingly. 
It is a passage about comfort in times of temptation. And in back-to-back verses... It's as if we have been brought to our senses in verse 12 and we've been patted on our backs in verse 13. Verse 13 says, There is no temptation overtaken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will with every temptation provide a way of escape? Just as we broke verse 12 down into parts so that we could look at it and digest what it's saying a little better, let me do that with this passage. Let's talk about the nature of temptation. There has no temptation overtaken you, but such as is what? What was that again, according to the passage? What? Common. Thank you. When you are going through times of great trial and temptation in your life, the the idea can be, I'm the only person in the world that has ever experienced these difficulties. Uh Uh-uh. We're not. And if we are looking at from the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3 to even this very moment, you are in... Common company with others. That's what the passage says. There has no temptation overtaken you, but such as is common to man. You know, the devil's only got three plays in his playbook, isn't it right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 1 John 2, 15-17. But my, he has become a master at running those plays over and over in different ways in people's lives. Here's something to think about. God may seek to test us so that we will trust Him and our faith will grow, but the devil may use the same events and circumstances to tempt us to sin. Isn't that true? Now, the Bible, James couldn't be any more clear than he is. He's a very clear fellow when you read the book of James. But in James 1.13, he says, Let no man say, when I am tempted, what? I am tempted by who? When you're tempted, don't say that God's behind this. For God himself tempts no man, neither can he be tempted with evil. Verses 14 and 15 A man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. I want you to know that that the devil will use circumstances and temptation to try to lead you into sin. But the devil will use, the Lord rather, will use circumstances... And testing 
to develop us. To make us more like Jesus. Now look also at James 1 verses 2 and 3. If you're still there and that, and then we'll go back to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Notice James 1 verse 2. When you look at James 1, 2, and 3, it talks about trial. And that the trying of our faith works patience. And that patience can have its perfect work so that we can become perfect and entire and not lacking any good thing. What the devil wants to use to cause you to sin, God will want to use to make us more like Jesus. Now, I said temptation's common and that other people have had to deal with similar things. But now I want to bring out the heavy artillery because here's the heavy artillery. When Jesus walked this earth, the devil threw everything that he had against him. The devil's never had to throw everything he's got against you because you and I have yielded before that. But he was sinless, Hebrews 2, 17, Hebrews 4, 15... And there were no limits to how far the devil would go to try to entice Jesus to sin. Now here's what I want to say. When we become presumptuous, when we don't hear the caution of verse 12... And we do not appreciate the comfort that's to be found in verse 13. That God is faithful and that with every temptation, He provides a way of escape. When we don't do those things and see these truths, we sin against the very one who bore our sins on the cross. And we undermine the faith that we claim to have in Him. That's serious. We shouldn't want to do that to our Lord. Don't allow yourself to become calloused and hard-hearted, stone-like in your soul. Because that's how serious sin is. But it's common. The devil's been at work for a long time. Secondly... I love this part of 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Get this down. There's assurance. There's a common nature in temptation. But in, tem- in temptation, there is assurance. What does the text say that is so assuring? Look at verse 13. God is what? Even when you have not been and I have not been, He is faithful. 
Even when someone that you love and care for has betrayed you and lied about you and hurt you, He is faithful. God is ever dependable, ever trustworthy, ever true. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. Here's another God is faithful passage. Carl, Ivanhoe, when you get there, stand and read it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. And Brother Lynn Mayfield, if you don't mind, brother, would you read 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Another God is faithful passage. He will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Assurance, God is faithful. Brother Lynn, 1 John 1, 7 through 9, please, brother. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Faithful and just or righteous to forgive us of our sins and all unrighteousness. Listen to this. No temptation is inherently stronger than the resources we have available in God. We always seem to think that our temptation is harder or maybe the exception. But no temptation is more inherently powerful than the resources we have available to us in God. Because greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Now, notice this from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. A solution. What solution do you see in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? Looking at the Word of God, observing the passage. What's the solution? A way of escape. We have a divine guarantee that there is a way of escape from temptation when it occurs. Sometimes we can avoid temptation. You know, I've made a, I've become a master at times at running to temptation instead of avoiding it. Have you? But even when temptation is not avoidable, it can be endured. James 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Three practical helps when we are tempted and we seek to endure. Help number one, prayer. It is hard to sin, and to fall into temptation when you're on your knees. It's hard to fall when you're on your knees. 
And maybe we get on our hands and knees in prayer. And we pray, Matthew 6.13, deliver us from evil. Help number two. Our trust in the Lord and His faithfulness. It's hard to meditate on 1 Corinthians 10, 12, 13 and be full of yourself. It's hard to meditate on 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13 and not be looking for the way of escape when temptation comes. A divine guarantee that there is no temptation so inherently powerful that the resources we have in the Lord can't deal with it. Third, when I am tempted, I want to think about Jesus, my Lord. He dealt with sinners. Their evil intentions. And he died for sinners. Consider Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 3. I'm so glad that the person submitted 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13 to look at. And I want to go right back to what I began with. There's rest in the Lord Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. There's strength in the Lord to be found. Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31. Our confidence must be in the Lord and not ourselves. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Overconfident. Beware lest you fall. Verse 13 There's comfort in the Lord when we are tempted and tried. Remember the old song? Tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. And then the chorus. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Well, I'll tell you what, that is true, and I don't doubt it. But I'm so glad 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13 are in the Bible now because it helps me understand things better now. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. If you're not a Christian, how in the world will you stand at the judgment seat of Christ. If you are not a Christian, you need to respond to Jesus in faith and repentance and baptism to be saved by His precious blood, the gracious provision that God has made at the cross for you and me. And if as Christians we've gotten overconfident and full of ourselves and presumptuous, May God help us to be humble and Savior-reliant and gracious. This message is for us all. Let us stand and sing.